and welcome to the CIA Files, true stories of U.S. intelligence, oh yeah. High energy, that's me, I'm Topher M. Ford. Topher High Energy M. Ford. And with me is Brandon uh, freaking nuclear fusion Givens. Um, Brandon, <laughs> they recently, I heard, I, I didn't I, I didn't read past the headline, but I think that they just, some scientists just made a nuclear fusion happen. That's a big deal. Do you uh, know I've not read that yet. Oh. Oh. That'll be, that'll be pretty, pretty neat if they have, but no, I've not read that yet. Ooh, it's a nuclear, it's a nuclear world and we're, yeah. you know. I don't know. Uh, I got nuclear on the brain because today we are talking about maybe nuclear stuff. We're not sure. It's speculation. Yeah, you could, I think our, our the listeners could turn it into a drinking game. Like maybe they have to take a shot every time I say nuclear instead of nuclear. <laughs> but you're not going to do that, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we are from Arkansas. I, I've probably done it before. <laughs> I actually, uh, at this point, whenever I say, like, nuclear is one of the words that I stop and, you know, like, take a beat before I say it, just so I don't uh, George W. it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of thought they were giving him too hard of a time on that. That's, that's a little, like, come on. I mean, I understand you saying that, but at the same time, he's the fucking president. And he sounds like an idiot. <laughs> and that was how I felt about it at the time. I was like, oh, my God, you are so dumb. I think now, you know, given a little hindsight, we can see that, you know, maybe at least some of that was an affectation by W to be, you know, sort of underestimated. Yeah, that's a clever trick. Make your yeah, make your your appear weak when you are actually strong. Make your enemies yeah. underestimate you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I I said that uh, maybe nuclear this week because we are going to be discussing former President Trump's uh, FBI troubles. Kind oh no! Blue, we can't stop talking. <laughs> we like cannot stop talking about this man. Uh. But also fits in with the Ukraine right now because there's a, a nuclear uh, power plant that the Russians have a whole bunch of um, oh. weapons at, and they're firing from it. And according to the Ukrainians, the Russians themselves are firing at the, um, the site. And it happens to be hitting things that are, you know, the, the shells that come in happen to be hitting things that aren't horribly detrimental like it's not good i mean shooting at a, a right you don't want to be <laughs> but they're almost i mean they're targeted enough to be like well this is this is being done on like, all right guys hey that's a little you're like <laughs> yeah. you're shooting a little close to the gas tank here buddy yeah and you're like oh am i am i shooting close to the gas tank you know I don't. I don't yeah, know what. Kind of, those are some weird gun sounds that I made. I guess that's what I assume Russian machine guns sound like. I don't know. They, well, they might. And then their their tanks sound like a kablooey, and then uh, 
turrets lodged in the air, and that's what we think the aliens we're seeing are, those untracked objects. Like, whoa, this turret's a... All right, that was a long job. Do the Russian tanks have a ski in the in the their sound like blue ski, blue ski? I think I, ski I is with far. Polish. Uh, <laughs> I took it too far anyway. I got greedy. I went back to the well too many times, joke wise. Uh, let's put that behind us. <laughs> the jokes, anyway. Um, yeah, it's nuclear is in the air. Um, well, what's really scary about that too is it's more dangerous if that's you know like Chernobyl was more devastating than like many nuclear bombs that would be used. It's just it it, it wasn't located in like New York City or L.A. or inside of Kiev, right? Know, I mean, and so you and know what there. Yeah, they're, they're they're taking the chance of creating a very major disaster. Right. Uh, because the difference would be like if if someone set off a nuclear bomb, then bam, it goes off, it destroys everything around it, and it kind of like leaves this place radiated and there's going to be some fall off with it. But I mean and well, the radiation leaves after 2 to I think 10 years is kind of like the, the max on it, which is, you know, it's horrible, but, but Chernobyl. With, it's like, like instead of setting the bomb off, it, it was just like nestled is more like a campfire, like a nuclear right. campfire that just burned for a million days or, you know, it was less than a million days, but a long time. Yeah. Nah, I, I wish that we could get some kind of like, neutral international force that could just go in there and say, okay, just fight around us. You could have like Kazakhs and uh, I like my idea of like the, the Kazakhs and the, the Swiss or something, you know, or the Turks, you know, and it's like, oh, the Turks are kind of in NATO, but you know, they're playing nice with both groups. And then they're like, right. we'll just make sure this place stays safe. Cause it's um, in everyone's best interests on every side not to shoot this up. Well, apparently someone thinks it's in their interest to shoot it up. And <sighs> yeah, there's always one. Um, yeah. Well, should we talk about uh, Donald Trump a little more? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because, you know, Trump's been in legal hot water for quite a while now over a few different things. Um but this one is one that's kind of flown under the radar. You know, he's in the news for, you know, like he's being, there's the January 6th riots and there's the civil, uh, the civil suit going on in New York. But then all of a sudden, one of the mo biggest things that could ever happen happens. The FBI raids the home of a former president. And it's not for any of those things. It's over his. He has a bunch of stuff that he shouldn't have. I mean, we've all come home from work with a pen. Yeah. Uh, with nuclear launch codes printed on them, like at the back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like a nudie pen. <laughs> Once. <laughs> and he liked it because there's also a naked woman on it. Anyway, oh. yeah, so, movie that was in. Um, all right, well, I guess let's dive in.
uh, and I'll have to go back and listen to this intro later and see how much of it I can cut out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, in mid-January 2022, this year, 15 boxes of presidential records were moved from Mar-a-Lago back to the National Archives. Officials involved in the matter said Trump had dragged his feet on the request for the documents from his time in the White House, but eventually gave in. So he left the White House, and this is what I keep reading over and over again. He didn't think that he was going to have to leave, and they didn't start packing until about two weeks before he had to be out. And everything was done slapdash. Everybody's just kind of like, you know, like scraping uh, papers, documents and everything off of tables into boxes and then packing it up. Some people come and grab the boxes and they took them down to Florida. Um, okay. Or back uh, away from Florida. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, maybe he grabbed some stuff he wasn't supposed to. And then, so the National Archives, you know, once a president's term is done, or maybe they do it, uh, it's an ongoing thing, but president's term is done they go through and catalog every document from that administration because all of that stuff is supposed to be documented it technically belongs to the people yeah, uh, well, it goes into the presidential library too that's that whole right. point yeah it's like... yeah all of the primary source documents that are related to everything that happened they have all of it um but yeah they so they and going through Trump's documents they were like we're missing a lot of stuff a lot of stuff that we know should be here uh, including his uh hurricane map that he d- drew on with the shot uh-huh. um notes from calls with uh other dictators uh his love letters to Kim Jong Un all of that stuff was missing. So they they contacted uh, Trump's lawyers. Trump's lawyers, like I said, they dragged their feet. They were not like in a hurry to answer these requests. Uh, but they eventually did. They sent back fixed 15 boxes of records that they had uh, moved to Mar-a-Lago. Then in mid-February, classified information was found in the documents retrieved from Mar-a-Lago. This raised concerns about what other classified material he might still have. It also raised the possibility that Trump broke federal law by bringing classified material to his Florida home. Officials from the National Archive also noticed that there were a number of documents that should have been returned but were still missing. Around June members of the DOJ and the FBI visited Mar-a-Lago to meet with Trump's lawyers about the possibility that Trump still had classified material there. And they also issued a subpoena for more documents. Trump's lawyers responded saying that any and all classified documents that Trump may have had were returned uh, in uh, January. So, that appears to not have been the case because on Friday, August 5th, a judge issued a search warrant for Trump's Florida home and the ex- the FBI exercised the warrant and they searched the mansion. Trump's lawyers were apparently given about 45 minutes notice. Uh, it is worth noting 
here that the White House said uh, White House says it has no advanced knowledge about the raid, and the current FBI director Chris Ray was appointed by Trump, who is not his fan now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what, what were you gonna say? Yeah, well, it's like I'm trying to just break down the timeline. So, January loses election. Um, Mid January, they're like, "Hey, give us, you know, give give us some stuff." No, you know, no, no. This is uh, no. This is a a little detail that slipped by by me for at first. Also, um, no, uh, the exchange with the National Archives took place this year. So he oh. that stuff has been at his home for two years. Huh. And they, uh, and well, how I wonder why they didn't notice it gone for two years. But I guess you know, I mean, archives it's a lot of paper, a lot of work. Right, I'm, I'm assuming it, you know. To... And those those wheels turn slowly, you know. I think. Uh, and what kind of disorganization was going on that? that was happening through that whole time. Like, all right, well, so I, if you've got letters to Kim Jong-il or, or whatever, if, you, know, you said that was in the list of stuff sent back. Like the Well, that's some of the his, stuff his, that they noticed that was missing. I don't know that they ever actually got it. Well, oh. they may have gotten it in this, you know, in the raid. Yeah. So well, that's kind of like my thing, showing just the kind of, um, what is it, gross negligence? Um, of that administration with not taking care of these these papers and, and you know like how could you have that much stuff? I, I kind of get the guy working from from Mar-a-Lago, you know, like he's got you know the White House of Florida. Okay, fine, that's where he wants to work. Um, I don't know. I don't feel all that great about the idea of top secret stuff there but all right you know if you've got like a protocol for that and you know security uh, okay. we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about that yeah. uh later because that plays into it and that's uh yeah. security at the winter white house yeah. well yeah and that's uh like my thing is okay whatever was going on obviously they were just completely incompetent at the highest levels well, so much so you have to wonder if it was intentional well so <laughs> Here's some interesting things I I uh, read. A lot of the people who worked closely with Trump, both in his business practices and then, you know, in his administration, said he has this habit of ripping up documents and then just tossing them oh. wherever. And he's yeah. and, and this isn't like him ripping them to shreds compulsively. Um he just maybe rip it in half or rip it in quarters and then throw it on the desk. Uh, the FBI, um, I think it was the FBI, maybe the Department of Justice said that they have pictures of like notes that he tore up and put in the toilet. You know, <laughs> like that's a, that's a, his kind of thinking. And of course, if you remember, um, you know, when he first moved in, he gutted the staff, the White House staff, and was very slow to hire on new people. And I got the impression that through mo most, if not all, of his presidency, he ran with as few people as necessary. You know, saving money. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm. That's his. <laughs> he loves firing people, and you know, but 
So that with all of that in mind, I don't that all tracks to me, I guess I'd say. Um and that, but just that's, weren't people around to do those jobs. I mean <laughs> Trump has go. Trump has uh developed, you know, it sounds like from the you know, all of the different articles I've read, that Trump has just sort of accumulated this little hive of people who run around him and fix everything in front of him and behind him. You know what I mean? Right. So they're, like, they're running right ahead of him to make sure everything is how he likes it. And there are people following him to pick up the detritus that he just tosses around, you know, <laughs> and except, think, except sometimes they forget to pay the, the bills to the cities from his, campaigns and stuff but well i'm sure he likes to see how far he can go without paying a bill i kind of and this is again this is more speculation on my part but i i picture him as having this it's like a comp a competitive sort of thing for him that maybe it's fun not paying bills you know like let's see how how long i can put off paying this bill maybe i don't have to pay it at all you know Right. Anyway, that's a whole other, that's a sidetrack thing. Um, So, yeah. So, of course, immediately people started protesting. Um, There were already people protesting on the road to Mar-a-Lago, like, you know, holding up signs and shouting at FBI agents as they were coming and going. Um, The GOP and the right-wing media immediately began crying foul. Trump supporters protesting, and of course, uh, you know the the trademark of the the radical right these days is calls for violence uh, against the FBI, other go- government organizations. Uh, the judge who issued the search warrant had his, all of his personal information put out on social media: his you know address, every phone number that people could find related to him his family and his close friends doxed as well. They were making threats against his children. Just to tell you, you know, what the Trump side looks like right now. On Thursday, this past Thursday, today is Monday, August 15th, by the way, just for reference. On Thursday, August 11th, Attorney General Merrick Garland said that he initiated the request for the search warrant. So he came out uh, Merrick Garland is notoriously quiet, you know, and he gets a lot of criticism for that. Or I think maybe he gets a lot of criticism um, and he doesn't step up to counter it. Yeah, so, because yeah, he's not a child. He's not <laughs> a child that feels the need to. <laughs> and he, yeah. And he, hit he, me, I'm going to hit back. Like, oh, okay, yeah. He, I'm doing my job. Yeah, Merrick Garland came out. Uh, Thursday and confirmed that he had initiated the request for the search warrant. Um, and he said in his, you know, his uh, press conference was like, I've said from the beginning that, um, you know, this office, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but like, we're going to speak through our actions, not our words. Uh, and I was like, well, you sure <laughs> just fuck followed through on that this time. Because this came out of the blue. There was no talk about it, or very little. Um, and then all of a sudden, the FBI is at his, at Trump's home. That That's a, 
a ballsy move. That's definitely some uh, talk small, big stick. Carrying big <laughs> stick stuff, yeah. Uh, the same Thursday, 42-year-old Navy veteran and Trump supporter Ricky Schiff attacked the FBI office in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, he led FBI uh, agents on a car chase, and he was eventually killed by law enforcement in a shootout. Uh, and the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI have issued a statement saying that the threat of more violence is extremely high at the moment. Um, I mean, we knew that, but <laughs> I guess it's good to have it on record. Um, right. I mean, it's it's uh, like you had the old Timothy McVeigh characters and such, um, but they're, you know, and I remember all those conspiracy theories and oh, Bill Clinton and Janet Reno are trying to create the New World Order and the the guy that drove the tank in Waco was the same guy that shot, I can't remember the fellow in Montana or Idaho. Ruby Ridge. Ruby Ridge, yeah. Was, um, yeah, you like saw, um, made a short bill shotgun or something and, you know, went after him. But, you know, all these like weird conspiracy theories. But, they didn't have, there wasn't a major political leader encouraging that directly, at least. You had a little bit of the, in, of the indirect thing, like, oh, you know, the whole um, Christian persecution complex. You definitely had that. There was that, right. I remember that guy didn't want to wear the blue, the blue um, beret or helmet. Uh, or something it was like uh, a UN helmet on a peacekeeping mission. He's like, I don't want to wear this. And, he got in trouble for not following orders and uh, like Bob Dole and that crew were like, Oh, you know, he's a good Christian boy. It doesn't like the new world order. And to him, that's what this represents. And this is about freedom of religion. And I'm like, well, it's about wearing a blue helmet, <laughs> you know, so that people know who's a threat and who's not a threat and such. But that's that maybe I'm remembering it with slightly rose colored glasses, but I don't, remember the there being mainstream political leadership pushing that sort of conspiratorial very direct like, conspiratorial thinking it oh yeah he's French. right not to wear that helmet then if he wears oh, that helmet right. he becomes addicted yeah. to baby blood right yeah that's uh that's uh oh yeah don't you know the satanist when they drink the baby blood they're required to wear a blue hat or yeah. something, and that's what the United Nations really is about. What there is, oh come on. Yeah, so um, there was a little bit of back and forth about unsealing the warrant because normally warrants, uh, you know, FBI warrants are sealed. Um, Trump, uh, you know, the Department of Justice was like, if your lawyers want to uh, unseal it, they're welcome to. And uh, Trump said. We're not going to do it, but you can do it. We don't, you know. Um, so they un they unsealed it on August 12th, <laughs> Friday, um, revealing that the FBI recovered 11 boxes of classified documents, including some marked as top secret. And uh, the Washington Post reported that unnamed sources said that among the documents seized were documents related to nuclear weapons. Yes, yeah, so this is uh, the Washington Post said uh, this is from the the article, uh, quote, 
classified documents relating to nuclear weapons were among the items FBI agents sought in a search of former President Donald Trump's Florida residence on Monday, according to people familiar with the investigation. Experts in classified information said the unusual search underscores deep concern among government officials about the types of information they thought could be located at Trump's Mar-a-Lago club and potentially in danger of falling into the wrong hands. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. Um, security at Mar-a-Lago was not uh, that big a deal. At least not to Trump. Here we have uh, former DOJ official Mary McCord um, had said, this is from a Yahoo News article, uh, Trump's Mar-a-Lago security nightmare. Uh, former DOJ official Mary McCord said, quote, clearly they thought it was very serious to get these materials back into secured space even just retention of highly classified documents and improper storage, particularly given Mar-a-Lago, the foreign visitors there and others who might have connections with foreign governments and foreign agents creates a significant national security threat. She went on to say, what we saw was Trump being so lax in security that he was having a sensitive meeting regarding a potential war topic where non-US government personnel could observe and photograph. Oh, that's actually by Mark Zaid a lawyer who specializes in national security cases. Quote, it would have been easy for someone to also have to also have had a device that heard and recorded what Trump was saying. Um, Sean Spicer said later, uh, downplaying it, quote, at that time, apparently there was a photo taken, which everyone jumped to nefarious conclusions about what may or may not be discussed. There was simply a discussion about press logistics, where to host the event, he said. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there's a long history of security concerns at Mar-a-Lago. There was the Chinese woman who tried to sneak in with uh, some malware on a, on a thumb drive. Then after that, uh, the chief of staff, John Kelly, tried to increase security at Mar-a-Lago, um, but Trump did refuse to cooperate because my guess is he didn't like being told what to do. Also, Trump has, you know, a history of like talking, like being a little loose lipped when it comes to nuclear information. Like, oh, yeah, that kind of gets to me with like, well, what might, what, what might the damage here be? Like, yeah, like gross well, incompetence, and but okay, he brought home he brought home his homework, and it had some secret recipes in it. Or how likely is it there were really secret recipes or a couple of oh. Well, so um, if you remember when um, Bob Woodward posted his book, um, what was the name of that book? Rage. Um, Bob Woodward's book, Rage. Um, he talked about Trump um, talking about nuclear weapons. Uh, this is uh, from thehill.com. They, this is from, uh, you know, like they pulled this little bit of information out of the book and highlighted it. Trump told Woodward at one point, quote, I have built a nuclear, a weapon system that nobody's ever had in this country before. We have stuff that you haven't seen or heard about. Um, then he said, quote, we have stuff that Putin and Xi have never heard about before. 
there's nobody. What we have is incredible. Uh, Woodward's book says unnamed sources later confirmed a new weapon system, but would not provide any further details and were surprised that Trump had disclosed it. The post reported. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, uh, this is back in May of 2020 at a little, uh, press conference where Trump was unveiling the the flag for his U.S. Space Force, not affiliated with my U.S. Space Force, bandcamp.com, <laughs> U.S. Space Force.bandcamp.com. Um, anyway, look for new songs coming out there soon. Anyway, um, at this meeting, Trump said the U.S. was developing a, quote, super duper missile. <laughs> I... <laughs> We have no choice. We have to do it with the adversaries, and we have it out there. We have, I call it the super-duper missile, and I heard the other night, it's 17 times faster than what they have right now, the president said, sitting at the Resolute desk. What was that? Call it Mr. I think it was another moment of people going like, what? Stop. Can we stop telling him things? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. That's been one of Russia's big things is having um, super fast missiles. They used one a few weeks ago in in Ukraine. Or we're pretty sure that's what happened. They, Was it a hypersonic missile? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, hit, would that? I if that's true, then I, would that be the first time a hypersonic missile was used? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, oh. But yes, I, I do remember Putin, you know, like doing some big talk about his um, his new super submarines and their hypersonic missiles. Those things are scary. Um, yeah. Well, this uh, one didn't have a nuclear warhead on it, but yeah, I think it, I can't remember what it is for. I think an air defense system. Um, so yeah, so it was able to get past. Because it was so fast, or that's why they believe it it got past is its speed. But you know, the, the, it could be wrong, or what I could be reading could be something that to distract. Yeah. But, right. Eh. Yeah. So it's it's always hard to set to tell. But yeah. All right. Well, so uh, in the wake of you know this entire thing uh, on Truth Social, Trump has demanded that the material seized by the FBI by the FBI be returned to him claiming that it contains material protected by attorney client privilege. So <laughs> that's, that takes some, I mean, at this point, you know, go for broke and that's, he's always taking the bull strategy anyway, but you know, that's some, some chutzpah to go. <laughs> the, the evidence of my crime Give me that, is, that. is protected by attorney client privilege. You see, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. It was Alan, Alex Jones, when his lawyer tweeted, or not tweeted, emailed the other lawyers his stuff because, like, uh, that was supposed to be his attorney for client privilege. Like, well, you just emailed it to me. <laughs> hey, here's the, or if you're talking about the text messages when they gave him the complete log about yeah. his texts and the, uh, the, um, the 
prosecution, even before they got into it, like did the official process for asking the other lawyers, are you sure you meant to give this to us? And they never heard back. <laughs> they waited like six weeks or something. I don't know how long it was, but they waited. Like they did everything like super duper to the T and Trump's lawyers. Oh my God. There's just the worst. They're bad. Well, it sounds like they're doing the, they're being good lawyers in the sense of they're doing the law. I mean, come on, we don't, most of the law at this point, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm kind of venting, but it, it just seems to be more about precedent, not precedent, but um, loopholes and statutes. It's like, getting, you know, the lawyers that get people off of DUIs, they don't get people off of DUIs because they're innocent. They get them off on a technicality. You know, like, oh, well, you know, you didn't do the this test first or what um, he didn't sign this before you, you know, did the, the blood test or something. Just right. Right. You, know, you, you didn't file this form in time. You didn't. So, you know, that's kind of what lawyers, you know, do or it seems like the better ones are the more successful ones. Yeah. They find these little bitty, you know, things are where the law is unclear where it doesn't say something, and then that's what they'll, they'll poke at. You right. know? Which that's been their whole executive privilege thing. They're, they're saying, oh, well, well, this is protected by executive privilege because... It's like, you ain't no uh, executive no more, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, even back in the, in the, in the day, it, they would claim it for just about anything and yeah. seemingly get away with it because there's not a lot written on that in the Constitution. So Right. <laughs> <laughs> that we're learning because of Trump that a lot of this was expected to be like handshake deals and like trusting people to adhere to some measure of decorum. And uh, right, yeah. So I found this um, this section from a political piece, uh, Politico. This is actually an opinion article, which I don't usually. I'm not a big fan of. But in this case, this was a good one. Um, it was by Renato Mariotti um, for Politico. He, he says, quote, Trump's best defense would likely be that he didn't really know that classified material remained at Mar-a-Lago because he relied on his aides and lawyers who told him that they gave all the classi classified material back to the government. The problem for Trump is that doing so would likely waive attorney-client privilege between himself and the lawyers he is pointing the finger at, and it's unclear whether any of them would be willing to take the fall for him. So, <laughs> um, and this was written, um, uh, Renato uh, Mariotti is a legal affairs columnist for Politico magazine. He is also a former federal prosecutor. And so that was one of the reasons I liked this article because he was, he used to prosecute cases like this. And so he had that, uh, he has that legal insight. Um, the link for that story will be on the website, by the way, work in a quick website plug, ciafiles.net. Uh, so you can see links to these articles. So, um, in the, you know, like I was saying, um, in the wake of this entire situation on Truth Social, uh, yeah, I already said that, uh, Trump also says that he declassified the documents in question while president. 
while Trump did have a habit of informally declaring some information declassified, as well as seemingly playing fast and loose with information security, he rarely followed the proper procedure a president has to go through to officially declassify information. Um, it sounds like, you know, Trump, somebody told him that the president can declassify whatever he wants. And so he like stopped listening after he heard that and just started going, that's declassified, that's declassified. Yeah. And somebody's uh, like, no, there's that. actually like a process that has yeah. to be done. But he's uh, not, yeah. well, he's not used to like, what's that? Yeah, well, like declassifying information, it really should go through a process because there could be something one would think is innocuous. But if you declassify it, and so you know the others, the enemy or whoever is being uh, spied on, finds out, hole. Oh, they knew about this, and right. then they can look for the they can look for the hole. They can look for where where the spy is. So, right. You know. Well, and, uh, he did that though. He was saying some stuff. Uh, and, oh, he did lots uh, of Israel, things. Like that. Israel was like, oh no, crap. Uh, uh, we don't want to share things with him because they're gonna. Get our spies caught because he's telling stuff that only you know this person could have known and right uh -oh. they that was when israel launched um or gathered some intelligence and i believe was going to launch an attack against some isis people and when trump found out he happened to be hanging out with some russians and just told him oh hey this is what we're doing check this out israel's about <laughs> to attack some isis people you're like what what yeah, um, yeah. There are a lot of stories of of that of him. Just you know, whatever happens to happen, he just kind of starts talking about it with whoever's there. So, um, I, I like to feel important too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, officials say Trump may have violated the Espionage Act, uh, which we remember from our. WikiLeaks episode with Julian Assange. Um, oh, maybe they'll be used. in print jail together. That would be so cute. <laughs> they'll do yeah. the same thing. Oh, but Assange puts poop on the walls, apparently. So, uh, oh, Trump uh, I, would, that'd I would be not like want a, him as a roommate. An odd couple situation. That would be, yeah. I, I bet that would be a funny, funny sitcom. Oh, he has to be like Orange is the New Black. As soon as we're done right. re recording this, uh, we'll get together and work up a, a pitch. Yeah, Netflix. Um, come on. You know you want this. Yes. Um, so another interesting uh, thing that happened. So, you know, Trump's one of the crimes that are one of the laws that Trump was supposedly uh, allegedly broke was the Espionage Act. And now Senator Rand Paul is calling to have the law repealed, which is an interesting. <laughs> and he pointed, he said, you know, like this was a law that was used by the government to silence dissent against World War One. It's never been used uh, for actual uh, state security. So we should get rid of it. Well, and, it, and it's. <laughs> Perhaps he's not completely off base, but I don't. I, I think perhaps um, amend or reform may be a better way to look at it. Right, and it would not. 
like the thing that he's saying the government used it for uh, is not how it's being used now because the espionage act has to do with uh uh having government documents that you're not supposed to have at least in part and yeah it's interesting um i don't i wonder about how rand paul feels about julian assange because if they did i mean it's not going to happen but if they did repeal the espionage act then that would end julian assange's legal troubles with yeah, the united there you states go. anyway um which you know i, I don't like, know i think I, I think you can still i'm not sure i'm not positive the legal precedent but sometimes my understanding is you can still be charged or like if i you know like sold cocaine i'm in jail for cocaine and then they legalize it one year into my jail sentence, I still may have to stay in jail. And I think that may even carry over. Like if I committed something that was illegal in the past, as long as statute of limitations hasn't passed, even if it's legal now, I believe I can still be prosecuted. If so that you may vary by state. I mean, I'm not sure because I'm not a lawyer, but well, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't. On right. it. So anybody out there that does know, um, let's know. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, there's some things, you know, like to kind of uh, wonder about the future going forward. Here, the number one thing that I'm thinking about is the increase in violence. Um, Trump has a very um, energetic and enthusiastic base and a very well-armed base people who seem like for a long time they've been spoiling for a reason to use all those guns that they've been stockpiling and all the ill-fitting body armor um oh well you um, know after after the the revolution comes after a few weeks they'll be slammed into it you know it's kind of like when you uh, you're you got your kid and you buy them something just a little, just a little bit because they're, they're going to grow into it. <laughs> well, so I think it's the opposite around. issue. Little, little, yeah, yeah. They get a little they, tight because they're going to lose weight. And, yeah, you know. they're going to, they bought it knowing that they were going to lose weight. And they yeah. just haven't lost the weight yet. They're very yeah. stressed. <laughs> so, so well, maybe that, that's why they're agitating for the rebellion. Otherwise, they're like, "Man, I spent all this money on this stuff, and I got it too small, and I'm never going to lose this weight unless we actually have the rebellion." <laughs> but so, this is what I wonder. Like, I wonder what it would look like if violence became more, became like more commonplace. Part of me wants to I, say that. It would just be really ugly and pointless. By pointless, I mean like wouldn't actually accomplish anything because so far what we see is a bunch of people who don't really have any training. Uh, they don't really know anything about what they're doing. They just get, you know, like so angry that eventually they're like, fuck it. I'm going to go shoot up the the FBI office in Ohio, you know. Uh, the, the quote unquote lone wolf. Um, yeah. That that's not ever gonna you know that's not gonna really accomplish anything other than getting people killed. Um 
when we think of but then i wonder about well, what about like non-reactionary attempts like are there people out there who are making plans you know i'm sure there are um and the fbi is kind of after them or trying to get after them and that would be also why those with the plans have been infiltrating police and um and law enforcement in the military because i mean that i mean that's the long term you know if you want to uh you know change a regime yeah, uh, I'm trying to articulate this. When there is a, a revolution, whether it succeeds, most of the time will have to do with with which way the police go. And, right. Um, so if you can infiltrate them, like the day to day law enforcement, um, then that'll be you know kind of where it'll swing. So. Um, uh, I, I predict just more scattered, continued random violence, uh, as we have seen. I mean, I, I would say we're in a light civil war right now. I think it's kind of like silly to say we're not because you have like it's a civil, people. almost like a civil cold war. Yeah, no, I think it's it's hot. It's just um, it's insur- We have a very low intensity terrorist insurrection. Yeah, at, at this point, so and. Um, they do tend to have similar ideologies. Uh, they have similar things they want, and they do violence for political ends. I mean, that's against civilian targets. I mean, that's the definition of terrorism. You know, like, yeah, yeah, pol- definitely. Political, vi- political violence for the purpose of creating regime, or one of the purposes, you know, political change. They usually want to destroy the regime entirely. And it's against civilians designed to inspire fear. Um, and that kind of seems to be where we're at now. And they're very rarely successful. They can be sometimes, very rarely. There's that whole, it was kind of controversial, um, I think the whole Star Trek episode where Data referenced um, the IRA oh, the, as being an example yes. of terrorism working. And it's like, eh, arguably... Um, but yeah, what but that also are, included like a future event that didn't follow. That was fictitious, but yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, but what terrorists are usually very good at actually accomplishing is destabilizing and, and embarrassing the regime that they dislike. So they do weaken it. They, they, you know, cause when, when they are, killing civilians and the government is powerless to stop it, the, the government will often do things like increase its control, which often itself will not really work. And then so people get even more angry at the government and see it as a threat. And, you know, if the violence continues, yeah, it's like, oh, man, I got to take my shoes off at the airport. And I still don't. Oh, man, they're listening in on the phone calls and it's still not. But, but know, what about... And, that when like these insurgents have politicians who if not outwardly but basically support them you know after marjorie taylor green and lauren bobert and you know lots of politicians at that level and then a ton of them like that at the 
lower levels of government. Well, um, that's where, yeah, when you, it can move to, which is like a guerrilla war or like, you know, full-on separatist war. And so the move would be, uh, well, with guerrilla war, you have people recognizing that they're, um, guerrillas very often recognize that who they're fighting is legitimate, um, but they, and they want a seat at the table. Uh, and they also, but they themselves are not fighting for a particular state. They could be, but they're not, they're not employed by the state necessarily as, uh, by a state as state actors. They may want to create a right. state, but, um, and, but they follow the rules of war or generally in their gray areas, like if you have, you know, if you're part of a separatist group and you're, you know, a guerrilla soldier and it's like, well, I'm not going to kill civilians, but I will shoot at police officers. And it's like, well, is that terrorism or guerrilla war? And really just kind of might depend on the nature of the police. Well, are the right. police a, a wing of the military or are the police really? But it's the difference. You know, it's on? It's different than like, uh, leaving a pipe bomb at a coffee shop. Just right, me. right, right. Yeah, but, um, yeah. And both of them, in general, want some kind of change of regime. You know, uh, guerrillas or you know, like revolutionaries might want to change. You know, the entire government and who's in control, or they may want to break away and form something different. So for the this, I mean, that would be for to move from just terrorism to like civil war. Um, you would have to have these politicians claiming some kind of legitimate, um, like separate state, and then reactions to it, like Texas seceding or something, and then, um, then it's like, oh, well, what are the police going to do? What are the military going to do? Who's going to do what? And because you have big questions of legitimacy there, and the other one would be if the presidency is in doubt. And then, you know, you might have people fighting in the street over it because they're not willing to wait for the courts. But then it's like, well, the police, they got, you know, right to people, oh, you know, uh, this person won, no, this person won. Well, the police should, you know, go out and make people go inside, you know. And if the police decide that, one, they can't do it, then the state has failed. And at that point, yeah, it, or the police of, decide, you know, that certain people don't need to be, uh, you know. Well, the police they decide. choose a side. Yeah. Yeah. If they, if they, you know. I started to uh, talk, but there was nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. And what worries me about that is, you know, recent history has, seems to have shown us in general what side the police might take. Um that it will not be the quote unquote legal side, but we'll see, I guess. Hopefully yeah, we I guess, don't uh, well, we should do an episode in the future on the Oath Keepers. That would be a good one to cue people up on police infiltration. And, you know, it sounds like a nice thing, but cultish things often do. You know, uh, oath to protect the Constitution. It's like, oh, well, that right. sounds good. You should. That's what you're doing anyway, right? Well, and that's <laughs> a, that's a big. Um, I was thinking about that yesterday. That a lot of politicians and public figures talk this way, but it's especially prevalent right now among the far right, 
this constant callback to texts that were written by people who aren't around anymore to say to speak up and say what they meant you know so the constitution all of the far right people keep saying that they're originalists um right which but makes, the, the con yeah the constitution wasn't even written for original like for that that interpretation it was written with common law in mind and court interpretation so <laughs> they're right. crap yeah and you know and then they do the same thing with the bible um, yeah. Rather than look at the Bible as like a collection of writings, you know, about God and Jesus. This is a topic that we'll talk about on Rise of Mammon eventually. But, um, you know, they take the Bible and go like, this is the literal truth, even though, I, you know, it's been uh, translated a, a bunch of different times. Anyway. Not, not to well, get sidetracked, but... I, well, but, I mean, I actually think that's a good sidetrack. I could give an explanation where it does kind of sound like Protestantism and Catholicism. Um, so, like, evangelical means, like, literally, like, from, from the book, from the words. Right. And when the, the Catholics were doing the Counter-Reformation, their big argument was, like, not that the, the Bible is wrong or anything, but if you, like, you read Acts, the, the book of Acts, it was a big question about... Okay, well, what do we do when we don't know the answer? And there was a big question like, do you, do you get circumcised? Do you have to be circumcised to, to be a Christian? Do you have to become Jewish to become a Christian? What about, what about pork and kosher and, and all that? Do you have to follow all that? And so they called together you know, all the, the church leaders and discussed it and then came up with, well, no, you don't, you don't have to. And so the Catholic Church's party line is anytime there's a question we don't quite understand, are, are an issue in doubt, then you call the people together and the Spirit of God should be there. If you believe in God and have faith, and then it'll settle it out. And you just all about faith anyway, so you're supposed to have faith that they're correct. Um, but anyway, that's kind of how they've written. Maybe they have canon law and tradition and all that. Um, now, I, I'm not taking either side on that. Um, uh, as far as like the the faith goes and religion, whatever you know, I mean that people have their own individual beliefs about that. But the the legal perspective is kind of the same. You've got people that are saying like, oh well, how this thing was written back then is exactly what these guys wanted, and that's how it should be today. But that's not even the rules within the Constitution. The Constitution itself isn't saying. Everything has to be exactly like it was in 1783 or 86. Right. It's, it's, I think and, it's a bad faith argument that they make because yeah. the people who wrote the Constitution aren't around to disagree with them. The people who yeah. wrote the Bible, you know, the, thing, the text that became the Bible, they're not around to disagree with them. So, mm -hmm. that, you know, well, that's cliche why... thinking. It's just thinking in cliches, um, too. It's not... I think they're thinking deep, and but it's just a cliche. The, oh, I believe in the original Constitution. The founding fathers wouldn't wouldn't have. And because then it, you say, okay, what does the original Constitution say? And then you go, well, I think it says this. And you're like, see, you're already, you know, like applying mm -hmm. your own opinions to it. So, yeah, there's no unless you have freaking George Washington and Thomas Jefferson in the room with you to ask them their opinions oh. on the decision. I mean, you, have, you have 
There's you no have things like the Federalist Papers. I'm sorry, interrupting you. No, no, but even even that is, you know, it's that uh uh was it Socrates who denounced uh written language? Yeah. <laughs> because, make it yeah, because he said you can't, you know, like it's frozen in time. You can't engage with the written word. Um it you know, it's static and it's dead. And, you know, at the time, that was the equivalent of an old man bitching about all these kids texting today. But yeah, you know, you're getting lazy. Pace, Their minds will be lazy. They won't yeah. <laughs> but in this particular, you know, like in this example, the, you, you know, the far right is proving his point, you know, and I think it's a just like it's just a really easy tactic to push you know like whatever you happen to think is right which is probably a mix of what's best for you and what you were raised to believe when you were a child and just like trying to enforce that on everyone else and so you're like i think this is right and you're like why and you're like because that's that's what the bible said that's what the constitution right. said yeah. and the most <laughs> you're like and the like i swear to god your average person on the street especially your average conservative on the street today thinks that the constitution basically says that you can just do whatever you want <laughs> i mean and maybe the, i'm my i'm biased in that opinion because i live in florida and i i feel out of place i'm just gonna say it <laughs> because i'm <laughs> surrounded by a lot of pickup trucks, and uh, I'm also surrounded by a severe lack of sleeves. Often, um, <laughs> I've got I've got a good example of a, a case where I think the founding fathers might have meant one thing, but the legal interpretations went the other. Because that's what the Supreme Court is about—is interpreting stuff, and that's the decision, and that's constitutional too. Um, but. Um, Civil, it comes down to civil rights and things like do the rights, like the Bill of Rights, or like, for example, the right to bear arms. Um, it had been believed that those rules were saying only the federal government could violate those rights. The states could. So the states would have to have their own. And that seemed to be kind of the going logic for, you know, the first part of the, the country, the beginning of the country. But then later on, you've got an issue with, you know, you have issues with slavery and racism and different states having different rules about like, oh, well, if you're dark skinned, then you're not a citizen and all that stuff. And uh, I'm just kind of simplifying it there. But, um, you know, the courts ended up saying, well, no, no, uh, these civil rights, the constitutional rights of the you know, in the Constitution, are federal law and above the other law. They don't just apply to the federal government and limit the federal government. It also limits, you know, city governments. And uh, of course, now that you know that that argument's used to say, hey, you know, I'm in New York City and I want to have a gun, and and right. you know, so I mean, there's that element of it. And because you know, the, recently the courts have gone towards saying, well. Yeah, the uh, Second Amendment is like, yep, you want it, you can have it, whatever firearm, go for it. Um, then you got the same, you know, a lot of the same states that will say, yay, New Yorkers have to carry, you know, can 
to get guns now, even if the city doesn't really like it, and carry them around in the subway hidden. Hooray! Um, it's that same um, legal precedent that says you can't um, not sell your cake to a homosexual because you don't like them or you don't like homosexuality. It's like, no, you, you know, civil rights, equal rights. And um, so, I mean, I see a lot of the whole, I like the Constitution. The, the Constitution means what I want it to mean when I agree with it. And then when, when I don't agree with it, that's not what they had in mind. And it's like, well, the Constitution was also written with three branches of government. <laughs> um, Exchange. Right. And originally written just for landowning white men. So maybe maybe things have changed enough that we could start to like de emphasize it. Or I don't know what that process would look like. I know a lot of uh leftist friends might talk, you know, say that the constitution was written by slave owners and it should just be tossed out and like, well, maybe we could do better, but you know, we gotta have something there. Yeah. Well, it's our second constitution. We had the Articles of Confederation. Um, right. Was, but it's a whole process to yeah. to update it, you know, or if you wanted to start over from scratch, just assuming everybody was on board with that and everybody went, yeah, yeah, let's let's uh, scrap the constitution and start over, you know, um, yeah. which is never not going to happen. But um, you got to have some, you know, like uh, agreed upon laws. Uh the whole time, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, law is really just what we all choose to believe and whatever the police will enforce. And, okay, never mind. Uh, yeah, that's, um, you know, just a basic rundown of Trump's uh, FBI problems. And uh, it's really interesting. It's um, it's not boring, at least. Uh, <laughs> I could yeah. probably... <laughs> Every three weeks on the news, girl. <laughs> What's yeah. happening now? All right. Well, um, that's it for this week, and uh, we'll be back next week with you know whatever happens to be on our noggins at the time. In the meantime, you can check us out on the internet's. Uh, what do we got? Facebook.com slash CIA files. Uh, Instagram.com uh, at we're at CIA files. Twitter at CIA files podcast. And of course, I mentioned our beautiful website, CIAfiles.net. So you can go to the website to see the show notes, see the links for the uh, news stories. Uh, you can also check out, uh, there's a link to our merch. Or if you if you want to buy a t-shirt, coffee mug, and a link to some support places like Buy Me a Coffee and Patreon, if you would like to contribute to what we're doing here to help us out, we won't argue with you. Um, um give uh, us some reviews. Give us some reviews. We read them. We read them. Yes. Um, reviews, please. Um, you know what? Next week, let's maybe we'll pick out some of the reviews we do have and we'll read them out loud. And uh, have a conversation about some of them so leave us some maybe we'll read them because uh, that would also help us greatly with producing content anyways you know like i say uh keep your bellies full keep your hand on the swivel and uh stay cool
or something. Bye.